Hey guys, what's going on? In this episode, I talk about why I hate social media and why everyone else does, about COVID-19 and about the fly on Pence's head. Let's get into it. Oh, that's sexy. Hey everyone, what's going on? Aaron the Speaker here, and welcome back to another episode of Aaron the Speaker Podcast. And I wanted to do this podcast today again because I am struggling. I'm struggling to get this podcast out because it's not easy, man. It's not easy to put out a podcast for me in particular because, for one, I, I am a perfectionist. I want it to be perfect. Also, I, I do. I compare myself to other people. And I compare myself to the world, and I'm sure a lot of us who pretend they don't, and they take the Gary V model of being like, I never judge myself at all. I'm just, I piss in the wind, and I don't care. I, I taste my piss, and I love it. I, I don't believe that. I believe we all compare ourselves, and I think that the more you study the media, the more you compare yourself. So let's jump right into today's episode. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about... Uh, what's going on with why I hate social media. And I think the first thing to talk about is the social dilemma. Now, if you haven't seen this movie, the social dilemma has come out in 2020. It was released. It's a great documentary slash, um, uh, PR campaign against, uh, big tech and allowing them to have all of our data and allowing them to have all access to us. Because in all honesty, it's the one thing that we should be talking about, even though we're talking about the presidential election, which is very serious. Uh, a lot of this is being, you know, we're, we're not really addressing a big uh, a big topic, which is big media, big tech, and how they kind of have no regulations over us. So if you don't know what the hell regulations are, regulations are things that the government imposes on people or uh, uh, puts on people. And when I say government, I mean a governing body of elected representatives. Now, I know that the government doesn't seem to be working well, but that's your fault and my fault because none of us really vote or pay attention. So the system works. It's created to work. We just don't work with the system. And so um, that's a big part of why we're having the problems we're having is because we pay attention to something only when the kitchen is on fire. Uh, we don't do anything else before then. So The Social Dilemma came out in 2020, and um, it was produced by a group. Let's see. I have it up on here so we can see it together. Um, it was produced by – who was it produced by? A uh, documentary hybrid explores the dangerous human impact of social networking with – tech experts sounding the alarm on their creation. So what you have is you had the people who created these products who got ousted out and no longer are a part of these companies kind of come back and say things like how dangerous they are. Now we've known how dangerous they are. This is common knowledge to everybody. Um, no one is really surprised by this, but let's just jump in and watch a quick trailer if you haven't seen it. Uh, Netflix documentary. I'm going to show only 15 seconds of it because that is under the Fair Use Act for copyright. Now, you can show more than fair, uh, 15 seconds, but I don't even want to bother dealing with the disclaimer. So I'm going to show you 15 seconds of the trailer, uh, and you guys will understand the rest of the gist of it. So let's just jump right in. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. Use your psychology against you. Ain't that some bull sugar? Now, they've been doing this for years. This is nothing new. 
Uh, psychologists have been doing this for years. If you want to look up a good documentary, look up Edward Bernays on Google. You can find it on YouTube. You can find a documentary on Edward Bernays, who's the founding father of public relations in this country. And before it was called public relations, we called it propaganda. That's right, propaganda. Um, and propaganda is even an older term, which comes from uh, the times when Christians used to pass out pamphlets uh, to propagate and to spread the message of Christ. Lord be Christ. Lord and Savior. Um, that being said, propaganda has been around forever, and it's basically just the idea of what we call in media studies agenda-setting theory. Another word for you to Google. Agenda-setting theory is basically setting the topics for you to discuss and to talk about and to think about are important in your world. And so people are constantly doing that in business because the point of business is to get consumers to buy your products. And so Google, Facebook, Instagram, all these are just products. They're just businesses. I don't believe they're evil or malicious. I don't think there is Dr. Evil going <laughs> behind closed doors. I really don't think that's the case at all. I just think that they're a business model and we believe in the stock market and capitalism. And when it rains out of control, then the business rains out of control and it does everything it can to keep its business in check, right? Cheers. Cheers to capitalism. Mm. So, what we see from the social dilemma is the reason why I've been so hesitant to be a part of social media because I have always made my money and made my living either being a professor in college in front of people, even though I did teach virtual classes. Um, they were pushing a lot of virtual classes in the colleges because it's a way to maximize students and uh, lower costs because students don't actually come into classrooms and teachers can teach more classes. <clears throat> And the other way I've made money is through live events, uh, working for the NHL, working for Major League Lacrosse, working for the uh, NCAA football, um, Hard Rock, uh, Miami Improv, you, you name it, Bang Energy, Red Bull. Um, being an MC or being a speaker in front of live events, uh, Gallus, Charity Gallus, Arthritis Foundation, Breast Cancer, Susie Coleman's. Um, and so I've always made my, my money on live entertainment because there's something that I really enjoy about being with people. And I think that this whole pandemic has once separated us from people and it's also isolated us in our silos. And the reason why it's so dangerous is because when we're isolated in our silos, the only thing that we have access to is this media. And because movies like The Social Dilemma talk about it, what we see is that people are only getting the information that this algorithm is giving them. And so when I think about creating content and I think about creating information, I, I talk about things like this. I want to help people. I want people to know what the hell's going on. I want to give them the tools to fight back. As a media professor, um, we, we talk about this all the time. And I'd love to have my students on the show talking about their experience going through my class. But what they realize is that, you know, the media is a tool. And if you are not equipped to understand how that tool works or how that tool is being used on you, you are going to be affected by that tool. Now, most people don't think that they're going to be affected by that tool. And we call that the third person effect. The third person effect says, do you believe advertising is persuasive? People go, yeah, yeah, it's persuasive. Do you believe advertising is persuasive to you? Oh no, not me. It doesn't affect me at all. It doesn't, nope, not at all. So uh, when you go buy that Coke, you buy that Coke because you want to? Yeah, yeah, I buy the Coke because I want to buy the Coke. Well, why don't you buy the off-brand Coca-Cola? I'm not going to buy that off-brand. What do you think? I'm poor. Um, so agenda setting, uh, third part, third person effect, all these things affect us. And so I, I have struggled with making content because I feel like I'm just feeding into the hamster wheel of brain control. And so I've never really figured out a way to put out educational, funny content. Um, and so I've always kind of struggled with that and that's, and that's been my, my issue. So 
Uh, Google some of these words. Maybe make me feel better. Write me. Tell me what you think about them. So Google agenda setting and type in media studies. Agenda setting media studies. Type in third person effect media studies and learn something. Laugh. Make it funny. Um, and look up Edward Bernays. He's got a great documentary, which is really boring because like... And it's like old school footage, really going to bore you when you're really used to stimulated, you know, uh, Steven Spielberg, J.J. Uh, Abrams style effects. Doesn't have that. Very boring. But you'll learn a lot on how this information and how the media has been used and weaponized to not in a sense control you again like Dr. Evil maliciously, but to help businesses do what businesses do, which is to sell, make money, and get you to do things and buy into the system. So... That being said, let's move on to our next topic. The next topic that we're going to talk about is the fly on Pence's head. The fly on Pence's head. So yesterday, a fly flew on Pence's head in the middle of the debate. And at first, I was a little bit thrown off by this because it was very distracting. Now, the strangest part to me is that Kamala Harris was crushing him, absolutely crushing him. She was giving him facts, history. She referenced Abraham Lincoln, 1814. This is what he said 27 days before. Blah, blah, blah. She was just absolutely systematically tearing him apart. And Pence was doing what a politician is supposed to do. What a politician is supposed to do is they're supposed to do three things. Hooking, flagging, bridging. Let me break down these terms for you, okay? Hooking is the idea of when you're asked a question, you want to hook it and bring it back to your response and not necessarily move on to a different topic or different uh, 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 what you want the question to be. You hook it back to what you want to answer. Flagging is when you want to actually highlight something that was asked and reemphasize it to make it very, very important. You saw us when Camilla said, oh, packing the courts? Let's talk about packing the courts. That would be an example of flagging. She was saying, yes, I like what you said. Let's pull up the flag. That's exactly what I want to talk about. Hooking is the idea of bringing it back to what you wanted to talk about, which is when she said, the, the moderator who crushed it, MVP, who did a great job when she said, uh, Vice President Prince, how do you feel about abortion and them overturning Roe v. Uh, Roe versus Wade? And he was like, well, let me go back to that question that Kamala had said. That's called hooking. He was bringing it back. He didn't want to actually address the topic of the Supreme Court and overturning Roe versus Wade and basically taking away a woman's right to choice. So a small minority of people who believe that abortion is bad uh, can have the majority of the population have to deal with their religious beliefs, which, again, we do have a separation of church and state. So I find that very, very interesting on how we as Americans kind of allow that to happen because we've kind of separated these things in our constitution and our founding fathers it's interesting how we still have this debate on trying to control population with a minority opinion that being said hooking flagging and bridging bridging is the idea of mending two concepts again bridge is a very easy metaphor for most people to understand in the communication field bridging is the idea of bringing it together so what I found interesting was even though Pence was using a lot of the bridging hooking flagging to deflect Kamala was using the hooking, bridging, flagging to also deflect, but most of the time she was using it to make her points poignant, uh, which was her support for uh, Roe versus Wade, for women's choice, for health care for all, for not repealing uh, 
pre-existing conditions and also bringing up the issue of the Supreme Court, which, of course, the Republicans are going to do anyways because that's what they want to do. And right now, politics is in the system of uh, team sports right now. It's kind of like the Dolphins versus the Jets. It's just people are not thinking logically. They're not thinking correctly. They're just picking sides, just picking teams. Very tribal. I hate that word, but we use tribal. It's a very popular word right now. And that's what's happening. So when it came to the fly on Pence's head, here's how I felt about it. One, it was extremely distracting because we instantly started laughing and talking about it. Look at the fly on his head. Look at the fly on his head. Look at it. Look at the fly on his head. While we were doing that, I didn't hear a word. Kamala said. And she was on fire. She was giving good response after good response after good response after good response. God, I just wanted to hear more. But when the fly went on ahead, I said, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. What's going to happen here is the story of the day is not going to be that Kamala has destroyed Mike Pence in the debate, showing extreme flaws and things that American and the American public should really care about, which is who gets voted into the Supreme Court is the law of the land. So if you if you don't like something and you appeal, 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 and go to the Supreme Court and they strike it down, you're shit out of luck. And people won't, again, realize there's a problem until the house is on fire because human beings are a short-sighted species. And that's our problem is that we are a culture of uh, short-term uh, desires. We want short-term, fast, quick, microwave, instant, on-demand. We don't actually want to have to work for anything. We don't want to take time to work for anything. Everything in America is about speed. And that is a problem when you're talking about creating laws, policies, and things that affect all of us. So my fear was that with came to Mike Pence's fly on his head, it was that this was going to be the dominating story, and it has been. It has been the dominating story. No one's really talking about how Kamala Harris brought up the very important facts about the judges and about what they're doing in the Supreme Court right now to overturn your health care and take away your rights as Americans to have access to health care. It came about the fly on Pence's head. So even though they're trying to rally and use this for good, I do believe that memeable moments are important, especially part of this generation. The memes have controlled, have been controlled typically by Republicans, especially after the RNC. You saw a lot more memes like the best has yet to come. You know, that was basically um, used as a way to, you know, magnify the RNC where there's not many memes that came from the DNC. And that's what my biggest fear was. But with the fly on Pence's head, what we see is that this has been the dominating story and no one's really talking about Kamala Harris and how good she was as a debater and how poor Pence was as a debater and how he deflected and didn't really want to talk about anything. Everything uh, is basically about the fly on his head, which I think is an issue. So for me, I recommend you go in and actually watch the presidential debate. Watch the whole thing. You have time. Don't act like you don't have time. God, it's an excuse. Um, you have time. Watch the whole thing. This is your politics. This is what matters. These are the people you are voting in, and these are the people who represent you. God, people are stupid. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. The next topic I really want to talk about is COVID-19. So for me as an entertainer, basically uh, digital space is the only space that any of us can live. And it sucks because everyone is posting on social media, acting as if the pandemic is over. They don't want to talk about political issues. I don't want to be political. I don't want to be political. Oh, you don't want to be political. Oh, don't you pay taxes? Don't you uh, want the firefighters to show up when they show up? Don't you want the police to show up when you're in trouble? Don't you want your garbage to be picked up? That's all political, you idiot. God, people are dumb. 
Um, politics is meant to be for everybody. And it's not supposed to be this uh, this team sport, like you're rooting for a team over another team. This is supposed to be about having the government run efficiently. Now, for me, I've been supporting the Democratic base because I want Sleepy Joe. And I don't even think Sleepy Joe is a bad term for Joe Biden. Because when you think about it, Trump has literally reenacted all four seasons of House of Cards play-by-play play, causing chaos, panic. He's been impeached. He's done criminal acts. He's paid $750 in, in, in taxes in 2016. This is ridiculous that this person has still been in office uh, and hasn't been really kicked out. He's like a professor with tenure. Just can't get rid of him. Um, and so I think that's because he's very good at talking to the media. He's very good at talking to uh, his base of people who watch cable TV. Remember, he was a, a network cable network TV star with his show, so he knows exactly how to use the media to his favor uh, with the shows like The Apprentice. When you listen to Donald Trump's words, very vague, uh, very lack of description, and using of bud special, big, the best. He never really uses anything that really describes anything. He always deflects and always uses very easy terms. And he also does a comedic act. Watch Bill Maher. Watch any of these late-night TV shows. They'll talk about it. He's a comedian. He's not really someone who's a politician. And for me, I want Sleepy Joe because Sleepy Joe will uh, – I want my politics to run boring and efficient. That's, that's how I like my government to run. I want people in there who are working for me, who want the best policies, who want the best procedures – who want to make sure that everything runs efficiently and do not want the limelight, do not want the starlight, do not want to be on TV. They just want taxes to go to the right place. They are the people who are boring, boring, boring people who just want it to work right. That's who I want to be in charge of my government. I don't want to be talking about government or political issues only if there's a problem. Not every goddamn day. Just give me Sleepy Joe, lull me back to a restful place and have the politics and have the government work boring and efficient, boring and efficient. Make sure that roads are built. Make sure that hospitals are maintained. Make sure that we have taxes going to the right place. Make sure that the really, really rich are paying their taxes so the really, really poor have a chance. That's what we all want. None of us want this back and forth bickering shit. But when it comes to COVID-19, the reason why I bring that up is because as an entertainer, I am screwed. Uh, I'm in this limbo land where I can't go back to work. Should I go back to work? People are going back to work. Some people are not going back to work. COVID's still present. 200,000 plus Americans have died. 7 million people. Let's just pull up the numbers. Let's just pull up the numbers from the CDC because I don't want to talk about this as if it's just some political stuff. Here are the numbers directly from the CDC. 7 million people have COVID. We have 210,000 people dead. That means 210 grandmas, grandpas, uncles, aunts, loved ones, neighbors, teachers, firefighters, everyone you can. It's 210 dead Americans over this virus. It is not fake. It is not a hoax. This is the CDC. And if you don't believe this, put on your tinfoil hats, people, because you are a conspiracy theorist. Um, so what we have is in the last seven days, 300,000 cases in the last seven days. So for me, I'm from the state of Florida. And the state of Florida, Dr. DeSantos has basically said, open this mother back up. We don't give a damn. We want people to, to, to work. We want people to go out. And I see why. I know why. Because we're losing a crap ton of money. The Marlins make the playoffs. 
so you can't make any revenue from sports bars or from the stadium. The Miami Heat make the finals. You can't have any sports uh, stadiums packed. You can't have any sports bars packed. The Lightning go and win the Stanley Cup. We have three sports teams that are having their most monumental seasons all at the same time, and you can't capitalize on any of it. I understand the people who make money are hurting, hurting real bad, real, real bad. But what we see is that Florida is a dark dark color what that means is we have a huge amount of cases it says between 14,000 and 30,000 cases in the last seven days still Miami nightclubs are packed DJs are begging to go back to work dancers want to go dance because people are starving they're cutting unemployment assistance and they're just basically causing people to say hey guess what we're not going to help you anymore you got to go out and go work even though your life is at risk. And guess what? Don't worry because the president doesn't care. You shouldn't care. But why does that matter, right? Well, let's talk about why, why, why does that matter? Why does that matter? Well, let me tell you why that matters, okay? I'm going to pull up a little statistic right here. This is from Fair Health. Um, this is a nonprofit organization that basically looks at how much it costs for you to go to the hospital. So let's just look at it. It says right here, they analyze over 30 billion private health care records claims. 30, it's not a small sample size. This is a large sample size. What you see is we found an average COVID patient requiring a hospital stay to pay $70,000. Let me say it again. The average hospital stay. Okay, this is not the high end. This is not the low. This is the average. What the average person pays is $73,300. So that means, Mr. DJ, Mr. Dancer, Mr. MC, when you go out and work and you're working for your $300 or your $100 an hour, you're working at a nightclub for $500, I get it. You need the money to pay your bills. We all do. I'm starving. I'm about to be homeless maybe in the next few months because I can't work. Um, and I'm, 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 you know, my job, I get paid the most money. The bigger the crowd, the more money I make as an entertainer, as we all do. And so big crowds can't happen right now. So we're all hurting. We're all starving. But think about this. You already, as an entertainer, don't have a union to protect you. You already are struggling as businesses come back. They don't have the money. They're not trying to lowball you. They don't have the money to pay you because they are also losing money. So when you go back and you dance for your $200, when you go back and you DJ for your $250, when you go back and you MC for your $250, when you go back and you're in work and you're at these nightclubs and you're begging for them to be open and you don't believe that coronavirus is real, and you don't believe that it's going to affect you, if it does, let's just say one out of a million chance it is you. You just happen to get screwed and get the coronavirus, right? And you have to go to the hospital. That risk you took for $300, $200, is going to cost you a net loss of $73,000, $73,000 in debt so you could DJ to an empty place. So you can dance for no audience. So you can go do comedy at an open mic for nobody. 
Now I get it. This, this is this this is something that may piss a lot of people off. I get it. I get it because you're starving and you want to work. We all want to work, but this is what doesn't make sense to me. You're willing to put your life on the line to lose seventy thousand, go seventy thousand dollars in debt, just because you believe it won't get you. Or because you need that $200. Wouldn't it be better served to go and fight for your state representatives to just give you the money to stay home and stay protected? Wouldn't it be better to just get involved in local politics and hear the issues that are at hand and have people tell you, okay, we're going to take care of the DJs. We're going to take care of the entertainers. We're going to take care of the comedians. We're going to pass a bill that basically protects everyone in the entertainment industry to make sure that they get their money so they don't have to go and put their lives on the line. Because let me tell you something, entertainers. These business owners don't give a shit about you. The moment that you can't DJ, the moment you can't dance, the moment you can't do comedy, they just call the next schmuck to show up. There's no loyalty. They want the lowest, lowest cost for the most return and they don't care if you get sick because they're not paying your hospital bills they're not paying your health insurance you're an i9 you're an independent contractor and no one gives a shit about you so this is what i don't understand why does not every dj every dancer and every entertainer every comedian use their skills as entertainers to bring awareness to the overall population to make sure that they get money they get protected and they get paid i don't get it I don't get it. I really don't get it at all. And let's just say, oh, I got health insurance. I got health insurance. I can pay for things. I can do it myself. Well, guess what, people? Guess what? The data shows that it costs $30,000, $38,000. Even if you have insurance, $38,200, even if you have insurance. God damn it. We're just so we're just so simple minded as a people. Just so simple minded. Ugh. <sighs> well, that's my rant for today. Um I'm not sure where these podcasts are gonna go, but you know what? I I am I feel better being able to get this off my chest and instead of just keeping it to myself to tell people maybe maybe it inspires people. Here's what I think, okay, as we close. Here's what I think. For one I think that politics are not about sports teams. If you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, you idiots, you're not cheering for your team to win a championship. You are participating in a political process to pass laws and to pass policies that you want to see happen, that you believe are good for the country and for everyone overall, not for a select few. We are in a battle of rich versus poor. As a self-employed entrepreneur, someone who makes money only off the sweat off my brow, I can tell you that I cannot compete with Amazon. Most mom and pop stores can't. If you are someone who's competing for uh, a, a share in certain events, there are a large large amount of people who really affect how the events work, how the taxes work, how the policies work. 
These are the things you should be paying attention to. Local community, local politics, and here's my plea. I got off track. Here's my plea. DJs should be setting up their DJ equipment outside polling places and DJing for people who are going to vote. If you want to DJ for someone so goddamn bad, go DJ outside of a polling place and give people entertainment and encourage people to go vote so you can go back to, to, to work so we can get some contact tracing so we can eliminate this virus and also maybe so you can get some goddamn funding to protect yourself so you don't have to go DJ for $200 inside a closed nightclub when no one's wearing masks, get coronavirus, and lose $70,000 in debt to a goddamn hospital because you don't have health insurance. Dancers, go dance outside a goddamn voting booth. Dance and tell people to vote. Dance and make V's and E's with your arms and shit. I don't care. Comedians, go tell jokes and set up a speaker outside of a polling place. Tell everyone to vote because, listen, all this selfish bullshit is because of things like social media that gives you an algorithm that encourages you to not talk about political issues, that encourages you to just pretend like everything is and just dance on TikTok and just, you know, Stop it, people. You're smarter than a goddamn algorithm. Talk to your friends. Everyone's hurting. We're all hurting. Go out and vote. Go out and pay attention to politics. And realize that every time you go out there to an open mic, every time you go out there to, to a show and you're performing right now and you're not wearing PPE and no one's wearing PPE inside, that those people are putting themselves at risk at getting a $38,000 hospital bill if they get COVID, even though they have insurance, or a $70,000 hospital bill if they don't have insurance. Was that worth it? Is it worth it? Either way, if, if, if I have to convince you, you're not going to be convinced. And the people who already believe me already know this. I, I get it. I get it. Cognitive dissonance, baby. Google that word. <sighs> well, this has been fun. I've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. 30 minutes on the dot. Boom. That's all I wanted to get it out. Uh, more podcasts to come. If you have any topics you want me to talk about, let me know. Uh, until then, let's play some sexy jazz and let's get out of here. Uh-huh.